as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing uh, of, the, of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So I want to stop right there, draw our attention back to, we're going to begin with the wives this morning, don't want to see any elbows. So I know some of you guys got this verse highlighted. Can I remind us of our context this morning? Remember where this chapter began, right? Remember where the book began? It began with all of the spiritual wealth, all of the blessings that we have, because we've chosen to follow Jesus Christ. We've given him our hearts. And so every spiritual blessing is now attached to our lives, a part of our lives. And now at the transition in chapter 4, we are learning about how we are to walk following Jesus, what a worthy walk should look like. And we began in chapter 5 by talking about being imitators of God, right? Paul encourages us to be imitators or followers or copiers of God as dearly beloved children. And we learned about walking in love, didn't we? Did we learn about walking in love? We learned about walking in light. And then we began to talk about walking in wisdom, walking circumspectly. And we finished up last week talking about being filled continually with the Holy Spirit, correct? We, do we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. We do. We continually need to be filled. And how does that happen? By asking, saying, Lord, fill me afresh. I want to be totally and completely under your influence, your leading, your guiding. And we saw the evidence of a life that is spirit-filled, that is under the control of the Holy Spirit, correct? singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we talked about giving thanks for everything, right, Uh, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want to remind us in verse 21 that we are to submit to one another. That means every one of us, doesn't it? Every one of us is to be submitted to one another. And then how, it says, in the fear of of God. And so it's not just wives that are submitted. All of us are to be submitted to one another. And so that's the context. We all have God-given roles to play. And now Paul's going to shift gears and talk about the God-given roles that we have um, within the home, the marriage, the kids. We'll get into chapter six, the dads. And then beyond that, we're going to talk about being an employee as well. And so the word of God is always applicable, by the way. It is always relevant. And so God, is God a God of order? Yes. He is, correct? Do you guys like order? Yes. We do, don't we? I remember the first time I tried to bake a cake with my daughters. And if you jack up the order, how's that cake come out? Not too bueno, right? It doesn't taste right. It's a little bit funky. Listen, if we don't get the order right in our homes... It's going to be a little funky, our marriage, our home. 
it's going to be a mess. And do you guys want a healthy home? Yes. yes. Or do you want chaos and drama? We want peace, don't we? Joy. And without order, what do you have? Chaos. Drama. But when we do things God's way, he wants to bless, doesn't he? And he wants to give us peace. And so godly relationships done God's way. How do relationships, uh, how do we do it the right way? We're given instruction here. And so, listen, failure to to submit leads to conflict and difficulty in all of our relationships. And we are to submit across the board, aren't we, to the Word of God? Is that correct? Do we get to pick and choose? No. We talked about this Wednesday night. It's not Golden Corral Christianity, where you pick and choose the stuff you like. We're to be submitted to the Word of God. This morning, do you, do you believe this is God's Word? Yes. Every bit of it? Yes. Amen. And either I'm going to submit to the Word of God, or I'm not going to submit. Listen, this is not my opinion this morning. This is not a self-help book. This is the Word of God. And I just want to share, too, this morning, if you are not born again, you've never given your heart to Jesus, then these commandments, you'll never be able to do it. You need to be born again. You need to have the Holy Spirit to enable you and to empower you to do what this says. Otherwise, you're going to bang your head against the wall. And listen, maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, I'm, I am a Christian. I've given my heart to Jesus. I'm trying, but I can't. Maybe this morning you need to ask the Lord to fill you afresh. Amen. To say, Lord, I've been trying to do it in my own strength, my own smarts, my own resources. And you admit your sin. You admit you've been trying to do it on your own. You confess and you say, Lord, I need you. Fill me to do. And then you step out in what he's calling you to do. And guess what you find? You find his strength is right there to do it, to help you to do it. And so does God know what's best for our marriages? Who invented marriage? Did God invent marriage? Does he give us the instructions for marriage? Marriage is between a genetic man, male, (laughs) genetic female, for life. Two lives God brings together and makes them one. That is God's definition of marriage, okay? And so let's roll. The primary role given to the wife, verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands to submit to or to follow the leadership uh, or the headship of her husband. And again, that Greek word we learned last week, it means to arrange or to line up under. Um, It means to be living under God's arrangement. This is how God has arranged things, order within the home. It doesn't mean that you are inferior. We are equally gifted, male and female. Husband, we're equally gifted. We're of equal value, but God has unique roles for each one of us to play. And so it's God's arrangement and it's your choice on whether or not you're going to obey the Lord or not. And so he says here, he says, you're to submit, gals, how? As to the Lord, just like you would for Jesus Christ. And how do we submit to Jesus Christ? Half-heartedly? Grumbling and complaining? Remember the story about the little kid? The parents told him to sit down at the dinner table. And they kept telling him and telling him and telling him. And finally he sat down, arms crossed, scowl on his face. And he said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but inside I'm standing up. 
That's not the submission we're talking about. In fact, the parallel passage is, is in Colossians 3, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. That's what fits. And that's what, if something doesn't fit, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? And so when the Lord says this, you know, Jesus is our example. By the way, as we read through this text this morning, Paul points back to Jesus over and over and over. Is he our example in all things this morning? Was Jesus submitted? He was, wasn't he? We'll talk about this a little more next week. He was submitted to his mom and stepdad, a blended family. Think about that. Think about, think about Jesus submitting to his parents, knowing how jacked up the decisions that they would be making. That's something to think about, isn't it? And yet I'm going to submit to my mom and dad. Correct? Are you guys with me? Some of you, again, some of you get that later. It's okay. Jesus was lovingly submitted to the Father in all things. In fact, it says in Philippians 2 that he, what, he laid aside his divine privileges, humbled himself as a bondservant, and came as a man in his humanity, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the things that God's Word asked him to walk in, lovingly submitted to the Father in all things. And is there equality in the Godhead? Yes. In the Trinity, is there equality? Yes. Yeah. And yet Jesus chose to submit himself to the Father's will, the Father's plan in all things. And he is our example of loving submission. Verse 23, um, husband is head of the wife. Head or headship means the position of leader or chief. God, again, has given order for the home. The husband is called to lead the home. That is God's order. God's called us to call the shots as, notice the contrast or the comparison, as also, it says what? Christ is the head of the church. So just like Jesus leads the church as he is in charge, um, husbands are to lead also, and we are to lead, how are we to lead? Like Jesus, correct? We're to follow his example. The pattern is laid out by God as Christians. We're, we're also called the bride of Christ, aren't we? Isn't that a beautiful description of us? We are the bride of of Christ. And so we are to submit to and follow our head who is who? Who's our head, you guys? Jesus. And the wife is to follow the leadership or the headship of her husband. I need to step back for just a minute. If you're a single here this morning, don't tune out. You're saying, oh, this is all about husbands and wives. I can just kind of, I can just kind of put it in cruise control this morning. Because here's the deal. Some of you are saying, I want to find the right person. Can I encourage you, what you need to do is to be the right person and let the Lord bring the right person into your life. I pray just like Adam, God would put you to sleep and bring the right person to you. Are you with me? Do you guys remember that, what happened in Genesis? God put Adam to sleep, brought Eve. Again, some of you will get that later, it's okay. But that's my prayer for you guys. This is crucial because we are learning about Jesus here. It's so, so vital to stay tuned in. Jesus is the head of the church. The husband is the head of the home. And it speaks about Jesus. He is the savior of the body. What is a savior? A savior is a loving, a sacrificial, loving rescuer. Correct? I like that definition. Not a demanding dictator or a temperamental, tantrum-throwing tyrant. 
As a husband, listen, and I know this is about the wives first, but as a husband, am I a loving rescuer to my wife or am I a temperamental tantrum-throwing tyrant? Husbands, do you rescue your wife? Do you know there's times they are in need of rescue? Guys, this morning, that is part of our role as husband. The husband is called to be the head. He is responsible. And, and by the way, this is my own opinion. You can take it or leave it. You're entitled to your own distorted opinion on this. I believe women are better leaders than men. Absolutely, I am absolutely convinced. I'm absolutely, I look at men, and men, we're pathetic. Like I, The women in our church that are leaders are like, they're rocking it out gifted, but in the church and in the home, women are called to submit, right, to arrange themselves under male leadership, and it takes a surrender to do that. It takes a work of the Spirit to do that. Are you with me? It takes a dying to the self to do that, just like it takes a dying to the self and being filled with the Spirit for men to lead, to step up and do what we're called to do. And so um, at the end of the day, listen, we are called to carry the responsibility to bear, bear the load in our decision-making as men. And I, I'm so grateful for Tanya because it is a heavy thing to lead the family, D- dudes, yep. to know God's will, to seek his will. And I would encourage you, this is, this is counsel I got early on in marriage, is to seek God's will together with your wife to seek his face together, to share with one another, to pray together. But at the end of the day, I'm called to make the final decision in our home. And Tanya trusts me in that. And it is a great blessing, gals. It is a great blessing to give your husband this morning to entrust his decision-making to the Lord. Are you with me? Pastor, he's an idiot. Can I encourage you this morning? Would you pray for him? Would you pray for him? Listen, this morning, is God big enough to override his dumb decisions? God did with Abraham, didn't he? And this will either be a place of peace, gals, or it'll be, you'll resist to the bitter end. I just want to encourage you in that. Therefore, verse 24, in light of that, just like the church is submitted to Jesus, as a church we're yielded to Jesus to let him lead, to guide, to shepherd us, wives are to be subject or submitted to their own. Did you notice that word, own husbands? Two times it says that. It says it in verse 22 and then in verse 24. Um, Two times he says that. Um, I was studying this week and this song kept popping in my head, love the one you're with. Some of you have no idea what that song is. That's okay. I'm not really sure if the lyrics are that good, but it's true. That part of it is to love the one you're with. Because he, listen, this morning, he's a gift from God. Your husband is a gift from God. Can I encourage you to be content with the one that God has given you? To focus on what you do have and not on what you don't have. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through who strengthens me. The context of that passage is contentment. 
It's contentment. And this morning, listen, um, gals, you need to make adjustments. Just as We're going to see in just a moment, dudes, we need to make adjustments also. Can I encourage you, gals, don't force him to change. Does Jesus force us to change? Don't fix him. Don't ch- try to change him. Don't try to... Can I encourage you, don't try to make him more like you. (laughs) Accept the one God has given you. You pledged your life to him. Can God fix him? Can God change him? Let the Lord do what he wants to do. Can I encourage you to be thankful for your husband? Let him call the shots. Let him lead. Try to build him up, encourage him in his leadership. Let him know, check this out, let him know that you got his back. I know I can go to edge of hell and back because Tanya has my back. What he needs is a cheerleader in his life. Now, I don't mean like a cheerleader. I mean, it just makes... <laughs> he needs you. He needs you to be a cheerleader in his life. Sorry. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Love covers a multitude of sins, correct? (laughs) But notice what it says. In wives be to their own husbands to be subject to them in some things. All things. Are there any exceptions? There is. There's one major exception, you guys. We are to be submitted to every authority that God has ordained in our lives unless they ask us to do something contrary to the Word of God. And then you say, honey, we need to... I'm sorry, but the Lord Jesus says, I cannot do this in the Word of God. His Word says this, we need to prayerfully reconsider. You need to prayerfully reconsider what you are asking me to do or to say. And if he's disobedient to the Word... You guys know what 1 Peter 3 says, right? The instructions are given to the gals. We don't have time to look at it this morning, but instructions, because some of you are married to guys that are not obedient to the word or backslidden. God gives you an amazing promise. I would encourage you this morning to search the scriptures. Well, what if he's abusive? Bring it to the church. If he will not listen to the spiritual authority in the church, then the next authority is what? It's the government. And the government bears the sword, you guys. The, 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 the authorities, that's the next authority in life for them to deal with it. And then there's, the, by the way, the government brings the sword too, Romans 13. We bring the sword of the word, right? But the government brings the sword, real sword. And so there's accountability. Um, well, he's not doing it like Jesus, so no submission, right? He's not being my loving rescuer, my, my, he's not shepherding me correctly. I don't need to, submission is based upon obedience, not feelings, not worthiness, not intellect, not ability. It's not an inferiority issue. It is an order issue. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my, obey my commandments. We obey because we love Jesus. This is what he's asking the wives to do, and God has provided the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Are you with me this morning? Guys, gals, not dudes, gals. Gals, you with me this morning? Okay, praise the Lord. Because our flesh kicks against this. Our flesh fights against this. 
kicks against the goads, but the Lord's strength is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is... Is His grace sufficient all across the board? It is. He will give you what you need to walk in this, and then you get to experience His power in a special way and His peace as you're walking in the will of God. Husbands, all right, what's it say for us? Okay, wives submit and husbands bark orders. Tell her what to do. Is that what it says? Love, and it's in the continual Greek tense, continually love, and it's agape, an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. We continually care for them no matter what. And I I would encourage us this morning, dudes, our wives need to know that we love them. Well, I told her at the altar. (laughs) Listen, our words are so important. It's important to communicate continually. They need to know that they are valued, that they are cherished, that there's no competition. That I love you, there is none other for me. And love is not just with words, but it's in action. Correct? Because look what Paul does here. Throughout, I mean, it's like the wives that get one instruction. Isn't that interesting? Wives get one instruction. And you guys are such great multitaskers. And the Lord says, here's one thing for you to do. Dudes, we're terrible multitaskers. Most of us. He gives like a whole bullet, bullet list here. Us. Again, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. But what Paul does, Paul helps us as dudes because we have a hard time living out what love means. That's not an, no amens. I, listen, I meet with some of you guys and you know what I'm talking about. How do I love my wife? It tells us right here. It tells us right in God's word. You don't need to go to a conference. You don't need to go buy a book. Are you with me? You don't need to Google it. The man of God is thoroughly equipped, complete for every good work with your Bible. With your Bible in your hands and in your heart. God wants to instruct you and I, dudes, to do what he's calling us to do and give us what we need to do it. So how are we to love? Look what it says. Just as who? As Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus laid down his life for us, correct? And Paul points out once again, Jesus is our example in all things, right? Including being a husband. Jesus gave his life. Why? So we could have a relationship with him. So we could have a relationship. Sin separated us from him. So what did he do? He came and died in our place. He suffered, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day so we could be forgiven And have what? And be connected to him forever. This is important to understand. He speaks of forgiveness and fellowship. Forgiveness and fellowship. Forgiveness and and relationship. Can I ask you this morning, guys, how willing are you to lay down your life for your wife this morning? Oh, I'd take a bullet for her, man. What about when she says, "Uh, honey, would you take out the trash? Ugh. Could you stop on the way home to pick up some tofu surprise or whatever? Ugh, come on. You're asking me to die? It's already killing me now. (laughs) 
how willing are we? Because Jesus, what did he do? He came into our world and died. So what's he saying to you and I, dudes? We're to go into their world and to die. Die to our selfishness. Die to our self-centeredness. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always with you. And I think this morning, what else? How willing, how willing are you to forgive her? Again, this is all about forgiveness and fellowship and connection. Do you still sacrifice for your wife? That's the example Jesus gave us. Correct? And as, as the head, we are to show our family what sacrificial love is all about. That our kids would see that. That those around us, and that's how we are to lead as loving, sacrificial leaders. Our flesh wants to do what? It wants to dictate and to demand. But the Spirit wants us to sacrifice, to lay down our lives. And so we also need to make adjustments to make it work. There's adjustments we need to make. What a, what a calling, what a picture. We need God to do this, don't we, men? And it starts with giving of myself, willing to give, willing to forgive, willing to serve. And then look at verse 26. Why, that's a reason word that he, who's he? Jesus might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So what does Jesus do? Jesus, sanct- what does sanctify mean? Set apart. Jesus sets us apart. And he, what else does he do? He cleanses us. What does that mean? I'm seeing deer in headlights right now. He what? He, how about P, starts with P, rhymes with nourify. He, he purifies us. He sets us apart. He purifies us. How does he do it? Look what it says. How does he do this with her, the bride? Washing. She is bathed. She's washed by the, what's the word? The word of God, the Bible. This is like so, isn't this eye-opening, guys? So Jesus came, he gave himself to do what? To fix us, to change us, because there's lots wrong with us, correct? What does he do it with? With the word of God. The word of God does a sanctifying work. With the word of God, he does a purifying work. I would say the word of God is absolutely crucial this morning, wouldn't you? No word, you got no word in your life, there's no setting apart, there's no purifying going on. Why do we study the word every time we gather together? Because it has a cleanse, it does a cleansing work, a purifying work, a setting apart for his purposes work. Are you with me? This is so crucial, gang. And so this is what we need. Our lives need changing, fixing, purifying, and that's what the Lord wants to do. He does it with the word. And so husbands, Jesus is our example in all things. God gave our wives to us so that we could help them. So we could help them. How are we to help them? Well, how about number one, being a loving rescuer? Number two, being a caring shepherd. Does that mean, pastor, I get to point out her flaws and shortcomings, her failures? Should I shame and condemn her? No way, Jose. Or gently wash with the water 
of the word. Well, what does that even look like? Remember, a spirit-filled believer is also a word-filled believer. Colossians 3, we learned, didn't we learn that last week? You guys hear last week? A spirit-filled believer is a word-filled believer. We need to be filled to do this. We need to be filled up, guys. Again, this ministry Jesus wants to do, sanctifying, cleansing us corporately, his bride spiritually with the water of the word, the Lord wants us to do also with our wives in our marriages. Our marriages, our homes need to be in and under the word of God. Are you with me? Husband, it is your responsibility to be leading your family spiritually. No amens. Okay. (laughs) Maybe this is a challenge for some of you guys this morning. It's good. It's a good challenge, isn't it? It is not your wife's responsibility to be the spiritual leader of the home. Some of us, maybe you need to step up your game spiritually. They're not called to lead spiritually. You and I are husbands. And so your family will benefit greatly when you take the leadership. When you start leading the way you're supposed to, and I'm supposed to, our fam- not only will our families benefit, the church will benefit. The community will then, ben- I mean, it's just going to start to like detonate, explode. That's I'm probably a bad word. <laughs> it's going to spread, if you will, in a good way. And so we're accountable for that. Um, we are to be taking the lead in our marriages, men. So how do we do that practically? I would say you did a good job this morning coming to church with your wife if you brought her. I would say, are you allowing her to go to women's study? Are you making it possible for her to come, to be in a place where she is washed? This doesn't mean, dudes, we power hose them down. (laughs) All right, I heard you, pastor. I'm getting home. I got my, start up the generator. I'm going to start washing. She needs some washing, all right. Here we go. It doesn't work. (laughs) It, I, I personally, I think it should happen like naturally or organically, if you will. You can ask her about her devotional time. You can give her time to go spend with Jesus. You can take the kids for a little while so she can get alone with Jesus. You can ask her what she learned on Sunday morning or how we're going to put that into practice in our lives. You know, the power of a question. Did Jesus ask questions ever? He did, didn't he? You can ask her what she learned on Wednesday night or what's the Lord showing her. I mean, there's lots of practical ways. Maybe she wants a three-point sermon with all the Greek verbs conjugated. (laughs) Then go for it. Maybe you should ask her, honey, how, how can I bless you? How can I serve you? I'm reading this. I'm listening to what Mike is saying. How can we put this into practice in a way that will bless you and honor you? Verse 27, powerful, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without 
blemish. Did you guys catch that? Jesus, I love this, Jesus will stand, that word present, he'll stand close beside us, ready to exhibit his exalted bride. That's us. That One day, we're, Jude 24, we're going to be presented faultless before the throne. That's, I mean, is that a mind blower to you guys? How? What's it going to look like? No stains morally or spiritually, no wrinkles, no imperfections, or any such thing, nothing unsightly or unattractive, but the bride will be what? Holy, set apart, sacred, unlike any other, without blemish, blameless, not guilty. How glorious is that? So what's it saying to us as husbands? I'm reading this, Mike, and it says, no wrinkles. Okay, Botox for her? Get her a nip and tuck? No, no blemish? What about a face peel? I've been reading about these face peels. Is that what he's talking about here? Listen, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Guys, do you remember how beautiful your bride was on your wedding day? Every time I do a marriage, and then I'm standing there with the dude, and she comes out, I'm like, dude, check her out, bro. Because you want to remember this. But spiritually, now let's, let's, let's make the application here spiritually. Hopefully I can help us connect this, the, the dots. Spiritually, we are to be involved in her life, part of the beautification process. God gave her to you so you could help her so that she gets better over time, more beautiful, more glorious over time. Check this out, 1 Corinthians eleven seven. 7. The woman is the glory of the man. You know what that means, guys? Uh, this is heavy. Our wives will be a reflection of our ministry to them. Our wives will be a reflection of our ministry to them. Uh, this is heavy, you ready? If, if you don't like what your wife has become over the years, congratulations, you did it. Pastor, I'm hearing you. What do I do? Cry out for help right now. Cry out for help this morning. Because, because really, that's the, that is the reality of this. They are a reflection of our ministry to them. What does God do? God finds us. He works in us. He makes us more like Jesus. How does he do that? With the word of God. The word of God is the DNA to change a life. It's not beating her up with the word. It's not bashing her with the word. Does Jesus beat us up or condemn us? No No way. Well, pastor, how can I fix her without telling her how messed up she is, man? (laughs) Again, it's gently coming alongside. Does does Jesus continually remind us of our sins and mistakes? Does he bring up your past failures? Guess what we should be doing too then? As husbands. I think it goes both ways. Or does he give unconditional love and grace? We just sang about God. Didn't we just sing about God's goodness? That first tune? It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. Are you being good to your bride? 
the one that the Lord has blessed you with, husbands. Giving her grace, showering her with love. Make her the best she can be without being critical and condemning, coercive or manipulative. To cause her to thrive, to help her to have that gentle, quiet spirit that's so precious to God. And the Lord will help you to do that as you and I love them as we ought to. Because look at verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives. How? As their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but does what? Nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus nourishes us, the church, and cherishes us. For we are his members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So Paul reminds us again, verse 28, check it out. We are to, the verb tense is continually, continually agape, to continually love our own wives. How? Just like you love your own body. The man who cares for his wife loves himself, who loves his wife. So guys, how do you take care of your bodies? Do you bathe your body? Once a month? How often do you eat? How often do you nourish yourself? We take care of ourselves, don't we, guys? You always think of you, don't you? You're always thinking of you. Men, any, any of you guys work out? We have some guys that work out here, don't we? A few of us? Yeah, praise the Lord. What about you guys just, some of you guys just stuff your face with food? But some of us do, right? You just because we're talking about our body. We're talking about our bodies. That's what he's talking about. Why do you do that? Why do you work out? Why do you stuff your face with double bacon cheeseburgers or whatever? Why do we do that? Because it makes you feel better, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it makes you happy. Does it make you happy? Oh, it's so good. And then you get your diet coke, right, to wash it down. Because I want it washing away the guilt. Because it's, dudes, because it's what you want. You're aware of what you want, and you try to find some way to get what you want, right? What's Paul saying here? Look at this. Paul connects this with the way you treat your wife. And I treat my wife. Do that with her. Treat your wife that way. How? Your job is to put a smile on her face. To make her happy, to bless her. Just like you bless your tummy. Or your physical body. That's what Paul's saying here. Nobody ever hated their flesh, right? You don't take a roofing hammer to your hand. I have just ugly thumb. Whack. You don't, do you do that? Nobody does that. But what do we do with our flesh? We, we nourish. That means to, listen, that word means to feed, to nurture, to provide for, to encourage, to help, to strengthen, to enrich. And what else? We're to cherish to tenderly care for. It means to keep warm also, to treasure, to value highly, to warm up someone, reviving their health by nourishing and nurturing, to nurse back to health. Looking, it also means looking after someone to realize their full potential. Isn't that what the Lord does with us? Isn't that beautiful? No, man, that's okay. It's being a servant. 
being a servant. What does a servant do? A servant lives to make someone else's life better. So for us this morning, we put our wives before our own interests, before our own hobbies, before the dear lease. For our own stuff, we put them first. It's not all about her meeting your needs and fulfilling your expectations. It's the other way around. Are you with me, man? This is so crucial. We're called to love them sacrificially, to give of ourselves, our time, our treasure, our focus. For, Paul says in verse 30, each one of us are parts of Jesus' body, his flesh, his bones. And so that's what Jesus does for the church. He's doing a work in us, right? And so he says, husband, he departs from his mom and dad. That's not forever, right? We're still to honor our parents, verse 31. He is glued, literally, that's what it means to be glued to his wife. The two lives shall become, what? One flesh. Jesus said, so then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man not man separate. That companionship is to be cultivated. That relationship is to, be, is to be worked on. Oneness is to be protected and encouraged. Listen, the Song of Solomon, awesome book. It's such an awesome template for marriage because it talks about fun times and friendship precedes intimacy. Listen, are you still having fun with your wife, with your bride? Fun times, fellowship, friendship. What about intimacy? The marriage, marriage is honorable, precious and valued among all, and the bed undefiled. God joins us together, and it's him who holds us together. By the way, God is the glue, not our kids. God is the glue, not our kids. Listen, oh, kids are a blessing. They're important. God desires godly offspring, we're told in Malachi. But listen, the Lord is the glue. He's the one who holds us together. And Paul says it's a great mystery. It's not a mystery in the sense of Nancy Drew type stuff. It's something that was once concealed but now revealed because you're a Christian, because you have the Holy Spirit. And what is Paul saying here? He says, I I speak. It's a great mystery. I'm speaking of. There's a picture being presented concerning Jesus Christ, who's the groom, and the church. We are the what? We're the bride. And so our marriages, listen, our marriages are to reflect the reality of our connection with Jesus. There's a picture God wants to present with our marriages. The husband, right, is to be a picture of who? Of Jesus Christ. The wife is to be a picture of who? The church and the relationship that we have as the church with Jesus Christ. A picture to the world around us. People should be looking at our... Listen, and this is heavy. I'm going to share it, and I don't care because I prayed about it. (laughs) If If our marriage is a mess, it's sin. If it's jacked up, it's sin. If we're presenting something else to our kids and the world around us than what God has called us to, it's sin, guys, this morning. I, I can't really, like, soften that. Because this is a picture from God's heart. We are his workmanship. We are his work of art, his piece of art that he wants to communicate to a lost world. Are you with me? Does God care about his pictures and types? Are you guys with me? 
This is like crucial. God cares about his pictures. Remember Moses? God told Moses the people were complaining and griping about no water the first time. And God told Moses to do what to the rock? Strike the rock. And water would come. Is that what, got, what happened? God took care of them. That rock is a picture of who? Of Jesus Christ. Later on, you guys remember? Getting close to the promised land. Getting close to going in. Children of Israel, they're griping and complaining to get water again. And God said what? Next time. Speak to the rock. And Moses went with Aaron. And what happened? Bam! He's whacking that rock. Here's, you guys want water, you rebels? Here's your water. And God said what to Moses? Moses, come over. We need to have a little talk out at the shed, right? <laughs> I'm not even sure where that phrase comes from, the woodshed, but I'm going to use it. You guys know I'm talking. Everybody's laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Moses, uh, I didn't tell you to hit the rock. You did that. You misrepresented me to the people. Now you cannot go into the promised land. Moses, the meekest man that ever lived, in his anger, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, Moses couldn't go into the promised land, but the big picture was the picture that he marred was a picture of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was only smitten, struck once to give us water, to give us living water. Now all we have to do is ask him to fill us with the living water. He's not struck again and again and again. Does God care about his pictures? I don't want to miss the promised land that God has, me, has for me with my marriage. And I don't want you to miss out on the promised land that God has for you with your marriage. And so we look, and God is a master teacher, isn't he? He uses this picture to communicate this beautiful truth of the relationship that we have with our groom, Jesus Christ. And then he finishes, look at this. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife, how? As himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. We follow that prescription. It's going to be all good, gang. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. I just, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that.